Hello and welcome to Alter Ego episode 42. I'm going to say 42. Um, I I stumbled on something called, so I wanted to do a very hopefully quick episode on something called internal family systems, uh, which sounds, doesn't sound very cool or sexy. Um, <laughs> we need to rebrand spiritual and psychological terms with just body parts oiled oiled chest um it's internal family systems it's the reason i want to recommend you go and check this out and i'll give a uh probably butcher uh a summary of it but um it it's really, it just ma- certainly it just makes sense of a lot of stuff. It's one of those things where you really go, oh yeah, why no one ever tell me about that before? Or why's never, why's no one ever explained this to me before? Um, and it, it really, it, it just makes, yeah, it makes sense a lot of stuff and not in a therapeutic, it's not something you have to, it's something that works and is worth, uh, looking into regardless of what your particular circumstances are it's not a something only listen to this episode if you know you're suffering from anxiety or depression or something it's actually it just helps uh you become a uh just a more uh peaceful human being and regardless and it's it also overlaps very nicely with certain aspects of um eastern philosophy as well weirdly maps onto it almost perfectly um, and yet it's a, you know, it's a recent theory, well, say recent, it developed in the, in the eighties, um, by Dr. Richard Schwartz. Anyway, here's, here's an introduction to internal family systems and why I think it is awesome. Um, it was yet yeah, created by, uh, Dr. Richard Schwartz. He was a family therapist, um, First, the first thing to notice when you see the term internal family systems is this is not about the systems going on within a family. This isn't therapy for families. Uh, it's the it's an internal family. So the family, um, and this will make sense in a second, the family within yourself, not, so it's not a thing about um, systems within families. So it's not about family therapy. Internal family systems. He was a family therapist, maybe he still is. Um, and obviously a lot of family therapy in the traditional sense is about getting families to resolve relationships and function better as a whole entity. Um, while doing that, he noticed that some of his individual clients, so people coming in to him for you know other mental health problems, um, were referring to parts of their personality as if they were sort of distinct personalities, not in not to a not to the degree that you would say they they have split personality disorders. And it wasn't a psychopathology; it wasn't a problem. It's just that they it was a handy linguistic way to describe the different parts of themselves. That well, there's the in there's this critic part of me that is always berating me for not being perfection perfect there's this like impulsive wild character in there who you know 
sometimes takes over and you know when i'm at the fridge and there's you know three beers in there and i just want one but suddenly you know i'm convincing myself i'm having the third one um so all these different personalities now first of all that just and he so he he dug deeper into this and kind of realized that we kind of do this is it, it wasn't just that his clients his patients were referring to different parts of themselves in this way and it happened to be sort of just a handy um sort of linguistic go-to uh what you know it's a handy way of labeling the distinct parts of ourselves he got his clients to introspect and sort of talk to these different roles and before his very eyes his patients would start sort of having conversations with these other parts of themselves he could get his patients or clients to adopt the perspective and the the persona of these different facets of their personality and to the extent that their body language uh and tone of voice would change when they really got into those characters um and so he was he, he he realized this isn't just a way of talking about, you know, we all, we, we all use these expressions, you know, and you say, well, a part of me wants to go to the movies tonight, but a part of me, you know, and it's the, it's that sort of confusing thing where you're saying, well, if there's a part of me that wants to go and there's a part of me that thinks I should study, there's two parts, but then who's the third part, this part right now who's talking, observing those two parts of so which one is the, which one is the real me? Because if I'm commenting on, on those two parts, which, who am I? <laughs> am I one of those two parts or am I a, this, a third part that's observing the other parts? And which one's the real part? When am I, at what point am I the real me, my true self? Um, we, we will, we've all had experiences like that where, yeah, you say a part of me thinks this is a good idea part of me wants to go to the party you know, similarly we've all had um we've all had moments and this is this is where his this approach helps people but we've all had moments where one of those parts kind of seizes control for a while um and again we i think most of us can relate to the experience of doing something that you feel isn't you doing something you feel isn't a true a reflection of your true self as you conceive yourself to be. And it feels like you momentarily like lost control or were someone else for a moment. So, and that can be on a, on a very mild level. Like, you know, you, I don't know, open a tub of ice cream <laughs> and there's still half a tub left. So really you shouldn't, it's way too much to finish it off but it's kind of close enough to almost being a bowl of ice cream. Anyway, you start and then you can't stop. And it's like something seizes control of the steering wheel for a while. And the interesting thing is afterwards, once the part of you that, you know, the impulsive part or the, the, the part that loves gratification or whatever has had its needs met, it backs off and it, it kind of fucks off and leaves you there holding the spoon why did I just why did I just do I didn't want to do that I definitely didn't want to do that I opened the freezer I saw it I went I'm just gonna have two spoons or whatever and I definitely remember thinking do not eat all of that and yet here I am six minutes later 
kind of almost like as if I've woken up from amnesia going, why, why, why did I just eat all of that? I know I didn't want to. Where was I in those six minutes? You know, who was it? Who was at the steering wheel? I'm going to the gym at the moment. I'm trying to get in shape, I'm trying to cut down on sugar because I know it's you know bad for your brain and dementia and all these sorts of things. I know all these things. Why did I just relinquish control? And it's like this other part of you took control for a while. Um, or, you know, you've we've seen it where, you know, either either ourselves or we've seen someone else. Uh, you know, we say, we, what is it? When they fly off the handle. You know, so it could be your kids annoying you and even if you identify as a calm, I'm a, such a good, such a good parent, so calm, I always have time for my kids. This is what you say to your friends. <laughs> and then your kids annoying you, they do something a little bit annoying, you can feel the something bubbling up inside, and then they knock something over and it smashes. And lo and behold, there's this other character, there's this other version of you, now yelling at your kid. And it's and again, same with the ice cream example. After you've yelled at them, there's it's like it's like you've been framed for a crime. You know, they've shouted at your kid, they've lost control, and then just as a kid starts crying or whatever, or if it's an argument with a colleague, just as your colleague is looking at you looking at you with like a stung expression on their face, they jump out the nearest window or exit and hand you the, you know, put, put their, put your fingerprints all over everything. And you're left standing there going, hang on a minute. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't commit this crime. I didn't, that wasn't me. And then there's just the regret and the question, how did that happen? Why did I lose control? So these odd moments where there is something inside you that you definitely would say is not you. You'd say that's not that that's not that's not the real me. The real me is this the calm, present one, the the me that's operating most of the time, the me that is able to observe these other parts and say they're not me. It's like, well, yeah, but if if they're not you, which what is the part? What is the part of you that's talking now? But what? Um, so that's that's the phenomenon, I guess. Is is this? realization that there's these different aspects of our personality that can sort of take control or not always take control, but even just be a, an internal monologue, like, Oh, you fucked that up. That was so shit. You're so fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> you fucked up that, that joke, you know, be the part of it and it'd be the part of like, for me personally speaking, like I remember when I used to do stand up a lot, this voice just of absolute worry, like ex intense stage fright and anxiety and whatever before you go on stage. When I was on stage, I was having the best time of my life. Like I, I and it, that voice went away and it's like, surely the time that that voice should be most vocal is when you are doing the thing that it's scared of. But strangely, it's just like this, this preparatory voice. It's almost like it wants you to succeed, but it's way of, um, 
making sure you succeed is by worrying. And you just want to say, no, I've got this. Remember last time when you got on stage and it, all the nervous thoughts went away and you were really great and you, can, you know, and then you come off and you're relieved. And again, it's that same thing with the ice cream or the shouting. You come off stage going, who was that guy who was worried before and why doesn't he know that this happens every time? Why can't he see that it's going to go really well? So that's the kind of uh, experience we're talking about, that sense of like, thoughts not necessarily belonging to you but some quite particular part of you um, and its ability to either provide you with unhelpful distracting internal monologue or even yeah seize control um, for a while so that your decisions are being made by this kind of other factor this other uh, part of you um and then the therapeutic aspect of it is, well, what do you do with all these different kind of channels? Like you're channel hopping. They're all playing on the same TV. But what, how, how do you reconcile or how do you deal with or how do you make use of this knowledge knowing that there's these different parts of you? And Dr. Richard, Swart Dr. Richard Schwartz's approach was like, rather than rejecting these parts, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me, um, which is sort of true because the the real you, the you that you wish you could be all the time is the calm one that exists in the negative space between all these slightly dysfunctional <laughs> characters. The you that enters that state of flow when you're on stage or when you're I don't know if you're a salesman and you're giving a great pitch and suddenly you're just really killing it and you're like why was I nervous before you know the the teacher who's suddenly teaching a really great class um the you that does get you up in the morning goes for the run rather than hitting the snooze button you know that when you're really just your maximum self how do we What's what's a what's a practical approach to making sure that that's where we are most of the time? And he said it's it's not to reject those parts because those parts probably exist due to something that's you know happened in the past or it's just some aspect of you that's you know a, as a a result of your environment or upbringing or something like that. They're not going to go away, and the more you reject them, if you if you don't synthesize them, the more often or the more likely or possible it is for them to have those moments where they seize control because you've kind of suppressed them and then occasionally they'll bubble up like when the, the kid does that final thing that makes you snap or when you, you know, you, you just impulsively eat all that ice cream or when you, you know, um, you're just worrying uh, a train of gallivanting negative thoughts about, you know, this is going to be a shit gig. They're going to do that more often. So... What he realized was, as with his typical family therapy, getting families to get along, real families, what needs to happen is you need to get this internal family to start talking to each other, not reject each other and push each other away and sort of uh, deny each other's existence, but to um, you know, really talk to them and show them compassion, non-judgment and empathy. And again, um, I won't go into it too much, but he's got really great case studies where clients, you know, he, 
I think he, he, he describes it as asking those parts to step back. So he, he'll ask a client, you know, why, um, you know, why are you, what, what are the thought processes when you are, um, like you might have a client that's got, uh, an eating problem and they're not eating enough and they're a bit underweight. And it's like, well, every time I eat, um, this negative voice says, you're going to get fat. And every time I look in the mirror, I see that I'm, I'm fat. And this voice tells me you're disgusting and whatever. But then later I'll be thinking that, 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 that's not me. Again, it's, it's that realization that, that, that part of me isn't the real me. So he said, well, close your eyes and can you conjure that voice for me now? Like, who is this person? Where do you feel it in your body? So there's a lot of kind of intro, uh, inter, in, um, introspection and interoception, like sensing where things are in your body. And yeah, well, this character kind of sits kind of between my eyebrows. It's like a furrowed, stressy character. Anyway, through this process of discussion, he gets them to really see this character, this, this part of their personality um, and adopt and he, Sometimes they're talking from their perspective. Sometimes he gets the client to talk from the perspective of, of this critical part. And slowly gets, gets them to reveal what, what's driving this part. So why are you critical of me? Why do you worry about everything I eat? Why do you think I'm fat when I'm probably not? Um, what's behind it? What's your motivation? And th this dialogue ensues and the, this other part answers back. It's very interesting. It's like, you know, having this person sitting opposite you, their eyes closed, sort of ventriloquizing these different parts of their personality. And through this process of interrogation, a, a real truth comes out of it. Sort of like, well, remember at high school when um, there was a fashion show, or remember at primary school, or remember when, I don't know, your dad and mum split up and he screamed at her like, you're disgusting, you're fat, blah, blah, blah. And so I just, I never wanted that for you. So I'm just trying to protect you. I'm trying to make sure the same thing doesn't happen to you. So I don't want you to get hurt. You know, I don't want you to experience the same thing your mum experienced or, you know, whatever the, maybe the trauma or the formative memory is that's kind of created this, um, yeah, this, this portion of your personality, this role within your mind, this little partitioned little character. Um, and then as herself, not as the critical character. So, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that you're looking out for me. I love that you want to protect me. Maybe we can find, I mean, I, I'd love it if you could find some other ways to protect me, um, some other ways to look out for me. Cause I'm underweight and I don't feel that great and I'm getting sad and you don't want me to be sad, do you? And again, she can jump between these two characters that, yeah, no, no, I don't want you to be upset. So anyway, but again, it's not split personality. It's just, it's just kind of a form of, I don't, I don't know how Dr. Richard Schwartz would describe it. It seems like almost hypnotherapy combined with like meditation or just deep introspection. Um, but again, actually, if, if, I mean, if you think about it, those times when these little negative characters 
pop up in our mind. I mean, we talk in their voices because they do take control for a while. That negative, oh shit, I'm so worried about this gig. Oh my God, look at the audience. The last person who went on is, you know, they're going to like them more than you. And uh, it's like, that is me thinking those things. So it's, it's actually not that weird to think of you know, a client adopting this voice because th- these are all voices that we inhabit all the time. So it isn't like a crazy split personality thing. It's just a, um, it's almost like someone's just got different dials and knobs that they're fiddling with and at any time they can dial up neuroticism or, you know, but in dialing those up and down, you become these different characters. But through the process of this internal conversation, she gets the critic to now, who's saying, you're fat, you're disgusting, you know, stop eating. You know, and so she feels guilty every time she eats anything and all this kind of stuff, slowly becomes an ally. So it's now sort of on her team. It goes from being a critic to a cheerleader. Um, but it's core driving motive to protect you, to help you. I just want you to be happy. I don't want the same thing to happen to you that happened to your mom or, or the same driving principle is the same. But because you've approached it, with compassion and said, Hey, look, you seem to be talking a lot and making my life, you know, but what, I mean, I mean, I'm keen to hear your thoughts that what by approaching it calmly and openly, you are able to slowly, um, change its nature to a, from a negative to a positive. And I mean, the interesting thing is, and this is going a little bit down the rabbit hole, but in, in these, in the process of these conversations across multiple, multiple clients, more characters emerge. So then there's, you know, the character saying, don't eat, don't eat. Then I eat to please it. I'm oh, sorry, uh, don't eat, don't eat. But then this other part of me that hates that part makes me eat but then I feel guilty. And so, and Dr. Richard Schwartz keeps saying, okay, well, this part of you that's angry at the critical part, that's also not you. So can you ask that character to step back as well? And what does that character look like? And so slowly what you're doing is you're kind of peeling off these distinct um, ecosystems of thought. So clusters of thoughts and slowly identify them as characters. And in doing so, the more you identify these little clusters, they kind of partition off, leaving this lovely negative space in the middle, which is your true self, which is sort of like just pure awareness, pure consciousness. It's the part of you, like like I was saying earlier in the episode, it's part of you that looking at these two other parts, you know, part of me wants to go to the party and go crazy and part of me wants to really study hard. Um, but who's who's the person that's making that, that commentary? What's the person that exists between the space of these other characters, these other personalities, these other internal family members? But the more you introspect and talk to these clusters of thought and give them like a persona, um, And often you don't even have to give them a persona. Their persona is very evident from the start. But the more you're able to see that and talk to them with compassion and curiosity and invite them to, you know, 
express what they're really thinking, get to the core of what they're about, the more you can um, sort of embrace them, but in doing so develop um, kind of a rapport. And when you've done that, you're at, you now have permission and enough good credit in the bank to say, look, but you just mind stepping back and just let me be me. I, I really appreciate what you're tr- doing and blah, 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 but can you, and I'll, I'll definitely look after myself and I, I love that you're trying to help me. You know, the, the, the other part over here, the part that's angry at that part for criticizing me, I love that you're trying to look after my emotional well-being and that, you know, you don't like that I'm being criticized. And I love that too. Maybe you two can work together, you know, but just I need you to step back and let me uh, be in charge for a while. So the, the more you engage with them empathetically, the more you are allowed to remain in control for longer periods of time. And so what you end up with is these, you know, and again, not just clients, not people who have uh, problems that they feel they need to talk about in our everyday lives for all of us. That's really useful because it means you get to exist in that um, pure awareness space for longer, you know, experience equanimity for longer, calm, peace, you recognize when those little negative voices pop up or anxious voices or um, chauvinistic voices. Like if, a, if a, there's like a, like a horny part of you, like, yeah, I should go. She's, she'd bloody get it, wouldn't she? You know, that awful internalized voice that a lot of men have, having been brought up on decades of fucking whatever Baywatch or whatever, just whatever we, we've been brought up on. Um, that also, you know, it's all of that and just get to exist in calm, uh, true self, true self. Now, how this overlaps with Eastern stuff is, I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, they're, they're almost identical. Um, with internal family systems, Basically, it is very similar to um, Buddhist practices of looking at your thoughts and recognizing that they're, they're not you, recognizing that that thought does not represent or is not bound up in your identity. Um, you can meditate and watch thoughts come and go and you just label them oh, that's an angry thought, that's a sad thought, and let them pass rather than going, I am sad, I am angry. Instead, you go, there is there is angry thinking, there is sad thinking. Somewhere inside me, there's all these little thoughts floating around. And I am the, the, the consciousness above that that's labeling them all. Um, so it's, it's very, very similar, and they map onto each other quite nicely. Um, they both rely on sort of introspection and insight, a form of insight meditation of like watching your thoughts um, and analyzing them and scrutinizing them dispassionately. Um, the only difference is really that internal family systems just kind of goes one little step further, which is, uh, and it's not incompatible with Buddhism or any of that at all, which is that so far, and maybe I've not read ex- 
extensively enough uh, around like Buddhist meditation and stuff. But it seems to me that most of that um, asks that you just label the thoughts or note them and let them pass. Um, and that's it. Whereas with internal family systems, there's a sort of extra sort of layer to it of, well, don't just note each thought isn't separate. Maybe they belong to like clusters of a certain personality mode or a certain cluster of an internal family member. So it's like, it's not just individual thoughts that you're noting as they pass by. You're also kind of grouping them into these characters and seeing where those thoughts are coming from. But it's still the same uh, essential process of non-identification. Yeah, pushing, not pushing, but um, observing thoughts from far away and having the calm detachment to kind of engage with them dispassionately and um, to say, well, that's not me that's thinking that. Okay, and asking... And he repeatedly mentions this phrase, step back, asking those thoughts to step back to create the space for your true self to emerge. And not, not true self in some wishy-washy manifest, guys. Um, he just means this that kind of personality f sort of free, not personality free, sounds like we're saying you have no personality, but that kind of character dysfunctional character free space that exists between all these internal family members it's the it's the you that is the voice that's asking them to step back it's the you that is um stepping back and uh labeling them and going well you're this character it's, it's the you that's questioning them it's the you that's asking them to step back so with buddhist practice so far it seems more about all thoughts can be sort of noted and labeled and dispassionately observed, um, but without any process above that or in addition to that. With internal family systems, it's like, yes, but also those thoughts might, that thought might belong to character A and that thought probably just came from character B. Um, but the end result is the same. It's like when when you're at the freezer and you've picked out the tub of ice cream and you hear the thought going, yeah, come on, let's just fucking smash it. <laughs> let's just go for it. Both, both um, approaches have pretty much the same process. It's like, well, who's saying that? Is that really me? And can I just label that thought and let it go away rather than just buying into it and going, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm totally, you are me. I do want to eat it. There's a, there's a interrogation. There's some detective work involved in both Buddhism and internal family systems of going, well, hang on, who is it that's really thinking that? Is that thought me? Can I non-identify with that and let it drift past? Why do I have to listen to it? Even though it feels really appealing and it, it's also generating all these sensations in my body like I'm salivating and it really seems to have seized control. But all of these things are stimuli that I'm free to ignore and just go, well, that's, I can just observe them. Yeah, I am salivating. Yeah, my stomach is rumbling. What does that, does that force me to do anything? 
why don't I just observe that for a while? And eventually, by dispassionately uh, interrogating these things, you suck the wind out of their sails and they they drift off. Um, or they, they become less potent and you're, you're more free to kind of yeah, ignore them or say, well, no, I'm not going to eat all the ice cream. Maybe I will just have one spoon and I can stop there. Um, so that would be with Buddhism and with internal family systems, it's the same. So who, okay, high character that's not me, high thoughts that aren't me, high internal little personality that's not the real me. Uh, what's your game here? Why have you got involved? How can I, can you please step back and just let me be me? So it's it's the same, it's essentially the same process. It's just that with internal family systems, you've kind of created or labeled this um, this character, which make which is not um yeah which is it's it's extremely useful and it it really helps i've i've already tried it out a few times where i've been um sleep deprived because we've got a puppy that wakes up at weird times of the night and then my daughter wakes up at early and then you know you're making her lunches and stuff and i don't know glass of milk gets knocked over or something and you just you want to go you know just please <laughs> stop just just give me some peace and quiet i'm fucking tired you know instead of that it's um well why who who is annoyed by the milk getting knocked over well there's a, a part of me that would just there's this kind of um perfectionist no friction would love we just love the day to go smoothly, wants things to run like clockwork, um, loves the idea of a hurdle-free day because, and this is me really, really introspecting, if, if, if there are no obstacles today, maybe today will be a really successful day. If I can be nothing but purely productive, because I guess I'm a bit of a, a workaholic or an obsessive or I just love you know creating and making and constantly being on the go I don't I don't like inertia if I can just if everything goes perfectly that to me means that I will now maximize my productivity today and today will be a successful day and maybe I'll land some more work maybe a, an opportunity will come through because I've put more attention into it. And this mental noise now, this you knocking over the glass of milk, the piece of toast that gets dropped on the floor, the puppy that wheezes on the floor, all of these things mean today isn't going to be successful. Um, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but when you dig inside, I realize that's th these are the sorts of things I'm thinking. It's so silly. Um, it's the same part of me that gets really frustrated when you, you know, you're walking down the street and someone on their phone kind of meanders in front of you and you get like, I'm sure you felt this, like irrationally fucked off by slow walkers when you've got plenty of time to get to your meeting. And again, there's just this concerned voice. I said, like, well, now you're going to be late. And now it's, you know, if they don't get out of the way, why are they? And again, Buddhism would have you just look at that and go, just, that's not me. 
So I don't need to get angry. The thoughts are there. Thank you for lodging your presence. I appreciate your contribution, but I'm not. It's almost like a job interview. Appreciate you applying, but we're not going to be moving forward with your application. It's like, I appreciate you throwing your hat in the ring, but uh, I just I'm just going to watch that thought and let it pass by. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to raise my heart rate just because someone's walking slow in front of me. It's the same, you know, it's that kind of now today is not going to be perfect. I've got to succeed. And so there's this character, there's this portion of my personality that um, is concerned about success and concerned about productivity, probably driven by money because of inflation right now and all this sort of stuff. And so these weird little obstacles that have absolutely nothing to do with my work day. You know, work happens after my daughter's at school. I'm not working right now while I'm making a breakfast. So these these accidents or the dog weeing or, you know, like none of them have anything to do with the work I'm going to be doing at nine o'clock. So why am I getting agitated about it? So there's this, there's this part of me that really like fears obstacles, fears disruption. Uh, and is desperate to succeed. So again, I just, I note that. I take note of that. Well, okay, I get, okay, thank you. I get you're worried. I get you think this whole day is going to be a disaster now. Just you, you worry about being productive once we're sat at the desk. I'll handle this bit right now. The spilt milk, I can handle that. The wee on the floor, I'll handle that you step back and just get, because if I get angry and start shouting or roll my eyes, you go, oh, bloody hell, fucking dog, you know, it's just going to make our daughter upset. It's going to, then I'm, I'm going to be doing that thing afterwards. Where I go, Who said that? Why did I say that? There's going to be guilt. We don't want to feel guilt. That's also going to make us not feel productive later for trying to work and have a guilty brain. So, Again, acknowledging that there's this little driver, this little, you've got to be successful. Damn it, dog's pissed. Just this day isn't perfect. I should be at my desk right now, you know. And just being comfortable with the chaos uh, and, you know, just being present. Because And then when you do ask them to step back, that's exactly what happens. And you create this space where you're quite calm and peaceful and can handle these little mishaps with a clear mind as your true self which incidentally it's interesting that Richard Schwartz refers to it as true self or self or self-led being led by yourself um, he says self-led people are calm confident uh, in control because they're not the steering wheel is not being hijacked by these little mini personalities that have different roles usually protective roles um, of one form or another um, but yes self and your you're behind the steering wheel it's interesting that he refers to it self-led Buddhism would say, you know, the principle of not self, but they're kind of weirdly referring to the same thing because 
Buddhism's not self is again that negative space that exists, that pure consciousness, pure awareness that exists when you are successfully observing your thoughts without getting caught up in them. And that's the same with internal family systems. It's like your true self is that uh, neutral, calm space that's able to just to, you know be present. And he does he does mention that as well. He does mention being present as a happy side effect or in, in well not even side effect purpose of this therapy is to create people who are more present and calm um so that both concerned with presence consciousness awareness calmness equanimity and both involve observing labeling noting thoughts but with internal family systems as a not just noting the thoughts but grouping them into personalities and then having conversations with those personalities um sort of uh, empathetic, kind uh, conversations with those parts that in the process of showing them kindness, slowly they step back or even become on your side, you know, um, but step, step back in order to help you. Um, whereas when you deny them and push them down, that's not me, no, go away. Uh, eventually they do seize control. And that's when you have those out of control moments where you, you eat the tub of ice cream, you you have the the fourth beer that you didn't want, you shout at the colleague when you weren't actually that annoyed at them. Um, so they become sort of unhealthily repressed and so they bubble up. But if you talk to them, get them on side and show them, find their, their purpose, what's motivating them and then get them to reorient how that motivation comes through you can turn them from a critic to a cheerleader but they're both they've both they're both um they're both still got the same they're both still looking out for you but just that one happens to be unhelpful and you've managed to shift that uh, into its positive version of itself but both very very similar anyway i've i found it really fascinating I'm, and i've only just read one book on internal family systems but it just it it made a lot of sense and um i mean what what really made it make sense was just the 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 sort of the inner experience i've had where that's just definitely been true that thing where yeah you you shout at your kid and then afterwards like who was that why did i i don't want to do that that feeling of like well if i'm saying that now who was the i <laughs> when I was angry, you know, or when I was tired and snappy and not my best self, or I hadn't had my second coffee yet, so I was a bit snippy. And the more you engage with those parts, just the less they take control. It's fascinating. So again, it's, it's not something you have to dip into if you're, you know, if you have a mental health problem. It's, it's also just to become a better version of yourself, more successful at work, a better parent, um, a better driver, um, you know, better stand-up comedian, better writer, whatever it is, you know, all of these environments uh, benefit from us being, uh, having a more harmonious internal landscape. And that's exactly what internal family systems is all about. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this little summary of it. And uh, yeah, I'll go and check it out. It will really help um, in whatever context it is that you like help with. Um, 
I think knowing more about this approach and practicing it, sitting down with your eyes closed and really having a little peek around in there and seeing who you meet and engaging them with a conversation, read the book and, and see how he goes about getting his clients to um, engage with those parts and the sort of questions he leads with and the questions he gets them to ask these different distinct personalities. And um, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite the revelation. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely stuff. Anyway, like I said, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you did, you want to support it on Patreon or just share it with someone and go, hey, this is worth a listen. Um, and yeah, be back again soon. Thanks for listening.